Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We're going to talk a little bit on the show today about certainty and uncertainty. And some things that I think the Georgia football and Georgia football fans can be quite certain about. And the certain level of uncertainty that you have to be somewhat comfortable dealing with here right now. Now, I don't talk about myself very much on this show, hopefully. Uh, The topic is Georgia football, and I just sort of facilitate the conversation. But I do want to talk about me just for a moment. Now, you can make a long list of things that I'm wrong about. You can't speak into a microphone as frequently as I do for as long as I have without getting some things spectacularly wrong. That's just the nature of the beast. I don't certainly take myself so seriously that I don't assume I want to make, you know, a mountain you know of errors uh, obviously that's just the way that's going to go down but every now and then we also do get some things exactly right and I think it's important to give you a reminder that a lot of what is playing out for Georgia here right now we sort of called this and we did sort of uh, warn you about some of this we told you hey this is going to be a little bit unpleasant And I want to rewind here for a moment to a couple of weeks ago, something that we said. And almost word for word, the exact way I described this then is sort of playing out right now. This is from the Monday after the SEC championship. That lost Alabama, the exclusion from the college football playoff. We're going to set set off a chain reaction of events that are pretty much playing out right now exactly as we said that it would. So for some context for what we're about to talk about, let's rewind the show here a little bit and hear a couple of weeks ago what we told you was going to happen. This is me. My advice to you, though, is this is a period to be endured. It just is. The idea that bad news sort of trickling out slowly over time, well, so-and-so's transferring. Now so-and-so's transferring. Well, now so-and-so's perhaps opting out. Now this person's perhaps opting out. Georgia is not fully insulated against any of that because no one in this spot would be. Everybody would have their version of that. And I truly don't believe it's the sky falling or some sort of problem with Georgia or anything, obviously, to panic about. What it is is just an overall reflection of where college football is at this particular time. And Kirby Smart, who has figured out so much of the current landscape, is going to figure all of this out there as well. But the next few days is sort of like the worst part of the news cycle. And if you're not in the college football playoff, it sort of smacks you in the face here pretty hard. So we're going to cover it. We're going to talk about it. And as fans, we're also going to endure it because there is a much better future. But for now, probably not too pleasant. So let's get through this period and then everything will be a lot better coming up after that. Is it fair to say that what I said on that Monday after the SEC championship has worked out to be almost exactly like I said it would be here over the course of the last couple of weeks? Most of us enjoy the Georgia football conversation on a daily basis, but the last couple of weeks it sort of feels like it's kind of been something more to endure than actually enjoy. That for those of us who are sort of here for whatever, the good, the bad, everything in between, the true diehard fans, that this has been one of those periods where it's like, once again, as I said it would be, kind of a slow trickling out of a little bit of bad news day after day after day and it seems like right now the bad news kind of outpaces the good by a margin of and a factor of like three four to one something like that we believe there are transfer portal additions coming those announcements are somewhat slow in being made here right now perhaps for uh you know 
you know, good reasons, but nonetheless, those announcements are being delayed. Some of the recruiting stuff right now, Hayes been in the barn for quite some time. Therefore, ahead of National Signing Day, you're not hearing Georgia a big factor late with a lot of these, you know, perhaps prospects are kind of out there on the open market uh that that you know a lot of this is sort of an example of the bad news right now is just speaking a lot more loudly than the little bit of good news is here and there and it kind of brings a a level of uncertainty around the georgia football program and the fact that we said it was going to happen the fact that most of you are sort of smart enough also to anticipate this happening i i don't think that necessarily fully insulates you from the feeling of well, gosh, this is not as fun as last year was, and it's not as fun as two years ago was. You know, this is not as fun as some of that is, and that's just real, and that's just kind of the way things are right now. So for a couple of minutes, let's talk about some of the uncertainty that exists around the Georgia football program. We'll start with this. You may have read this story, dognation.com, over the weekend. Our friends at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution were on hand. Carson Beck doing a charity event, and there were some questions that were raised about Carson's back, Carson Beck's future. Now, on the one hand, we got confirmation of a small piece of good news. But on the other hand, the really big piece of news as it relates to Beck, no real clarity about that as of yet. Let me show you a couple of quotes from the Dog Nation story, uh, kind of tracing back to what the Atlanta Journal-Constitution wrote from uh, Beck here. When it comes to the Orange Bowl, the quote is, yeah, I'm playing in the game. I mean, I think people know that, unless they don't. But yes, officially, I am playing in the game. So that is Beck saying he's playing the game. That, in a lot of ways, sort of confirms what we had reported at Dog Nation, I guess, what about a week ago, that when Georgia began its bowl practices, Beck was practicing the idea of, oh, it's a holdout or whatever thing that's been sort of you know, described around Beck. Well, he's practicing he's playing uh that is that situation he'll be a part of georgia there in the orange bowl now that in of itself is not enough to confirm that he's coming back in 2023 because as a lot of you remember you know jake Fromm also played in the sugar bowl of 2019 and yet ultimately did not come back to georgia for 2020 but we at least do have a confirmation this is not an insignificant piece of news that back will play in the upcoming orange bowl and he's going through those practices here right now But he also is quoted as saying, as far as the pro decision goes, I'm not sure yet. I'm just actively thinking, but right now I'm focused on trying to beat Florida State. Our friends of the uh, Athens Banner Herald quoted him from the same uh, media availability saying that it's the biggest decision of my life uh, in terms of what he's going to do as far as all the NFL stuff goes. And I do get that. And I know that there are Georgia fans that have a lot of questions about what Beck's future is going to be and is he going to come back and how come it's taking so long to make the announcement and you know how come this and how come that and I I sort of get all sides about this I get the pins and needles aspect of Georgia fans dying to hear some sort of full resolution on the back issue and obviously they're very hopeful that Carson given the way that he played this year will return to Georgia for 2024 I believe that he probably will I think most of you assume that he's probably going to but it's also fair to point out the longer he goes without confirming that for sure the more that it does loom as a possibility that he might not and you know for a lot of Georgia fans that kind of creates a certain level of restlessness about well how come this issue just isn't resolved and I would say the the reason that it isn't resolved is because of what Beck says in the quote that I just gave to you a moment ago this is the biggest decision you know any he's likely to ever make and certainly likely that Carson Beck is ever going to make and I would say that Carson Beck is a 
pretty unique draft prospect from the standpoint that if you're Caleb Williams or Drake May, you know you're very likely to be a first-round pick. If you are a quarterback of lesser stature, you know for a fact that you won't be drafted nearly that high. You know, Jalen Milrow obviously has had a very good season for Alabama, but he's not a big-time draft prospect, so therefore it's very easy for him to say, yeah, I'm coming back to Alabama for 2024. I'll be here. I'm running it back. There was really, really very little in the way of a draft decision for a guy like that to make. Easy for him to say that he is going to come back. But for someone like Beck, he's a little bit more of a tweener type prospect I guess I mean it certainly seems like he is climbing up draft boards some of this is media reports oftentimes that's unreliable but nonetheless there seems to be enough legitimate chatter here about back based on the way that he's played he is kind of climbing that ladder of someone who could be a very impressive NFL draft prospect and if you're drafted high enough early second round first round you're talking you're talking about the kind of money that'd be hard to say no to and from this standpoint I think the back the best that I can tell now we've talked to Jake Fromm about this the best that I can tell is trying to find out as much specific information as he can about how high could I be drafted really what is the actual evaluation of me really and I think that's the reason simple as it is about why the back announcement hasn't come yet and why it won't come until he has some sort of clarity about exactly where he stands right there on that it's fair to point out that Georgia is not the only you know kind of major championship contender style team that has almost no clarity right now about who its 2024 starting quarterback is going to be we've seen Ohio State sort of jettison Kyle McCord we believe McCord's going to Syracuse and as of right now we have really no idea who the Ohio State starter is going to be in 2024 that's a team that thinks of itself as a championship contender they've been forced to be somewhat comfortable with kind of an uncertain status for next year's starting quarterback I would say that Georgia right now kind of finds itself in a little bit of a similar boat. I still believe when it's all said and done, Beck probably is coming back, but admittedly, I'm no different of a Georgia fan for most of you. I'd like to hear from him for sure and for certain to confirm all of that because the longer this goes unresolved, the more Georgia fans just going to be feeling a little bit restless about all of that. Now, to add to that, you've also got what's going to happen with Dylan Riola coming up on Wednesday. Riola did take his official visit to Nebraska over the weekend. Matt Rule, and I'll show you this on the screen here for a moment, moment uh putting this out it was a give i, I didn't show the uh, the full give i just took a screenshot it's walter payton flipping his way into the end zone the uh, imagery here from rule is unmistakable that's his way of kind of calling for a flip after the riola visit it sounds like rule believe that's going to happen some of the online chatter says i don't know maybe still talking to georgia that's either true or a way to inflate interest in an ultimate decision for rule on or should say for for riola on wednesday obviously there's a way of viewing this that if it's a nebraska flip having that happen high profile on wednesday with the world watching is of greater value for nebraska and riola that's what's going to happen so maybe some of this sort of late contact with georgia maybe that's a way of kind of inflating interest in the ultimate announcement that which perhaps going to come on wednesday or maybe it is true that georgia is still a factor in the riola recruitment and some former fashion could prevent the flip from taking place obviously we'll all be tuned in to watch this closely but the uncertain status of the riola or the slightly pessimistic view that it seems like he's more likely gone than not i think only adds more you know kind of pensiveness is that the right word around the 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 Carson Beck type decision that it certainly seems like Beck's status is uncertain and perhaps independent of that uh Dylan Riola also seems like more likely than not on his way to Nebraska after taking that official visit uh you know weekend this past week and all of this kind of comes at a time as well when 
you've got the continual trickling out of some of these transfer portal names. We believe that Georgia will add some transfers eventually. We think those announcements probably come within the next week, maybe not prior to Wednesday, but at some point in time over the next week that Georgia's perhaps added a couple of really good players, perhaps with SEC experience. That could be a fun thing to hear. But right now it is, as I predicted it would be, sort of a trickle out of players who – in some cases, maybe weren't playing as much as they would have liked at George. In other cases, guys that you think could have very bright futures at UGA. But, you know, kind of the next example of that was A.J. Harris over the weekend. The former five-star cornerback, uh, defensive back signee for Georgia. Didn't play a ton here this year. And looks like he's looking to move out and move on after quite not having the uh, first year on campus for Georgia that he would have liked for, you know, to have had. And once again, this kind of speaks to what we predicted would be going on losing players like this. So, You've got all of this happening right now where Carson Beck, we don't know what he's doing. Dylan Riola seems like he might be looking to leave going to Nebraska. And players like A.J. Harris, who Georgia fans don't want to lose, uh, guys like this are going to the transfer portal. And what it provides is an opportunity for all of us to decide how we're going to react. How are we going to react to this? Even if we could say this is what's going to happen in some form or fashion, there's going to be this sort of series of bad news for UGA. Even if you sort of knew it was coming, the emotion of the moment sort of still leads you to have certain kind of reactions. And the question to ask is, how are we going to choose to react? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe in stuff like this. There's a right way to react and there's a wrong way to react. I think the right way to react is, is to assume that, hey, the transfer portal is bringing about a new era to college football and it's perhaps true that no one has this fully figured out as of yet and everyone's just sort of holding on for dear life in the hope they can kind of endure all of this and be sort of okay on the other side but coaches who've proven themselves to be smart uh, no pun intended coaches who've proven themselves to be clever and nimble that they will perhaps figure this out the same way they have figured out other things in the past I believe that's probably the right way to, to react I think there's also a kind of panic peddling wrong way to react on this. And sometimes the people sort of peddling the panic are just sort of random people on social media or message boards or whatever else. And in some cases, these are people who have a little bit more prominent followings. And I think it's probably fair to sort of point this out and criticize it, no matter how big or small the voice is that's doing this. And in fact, a guy that we generally speaking sort of like, Aaron Murray, the former Georgia quarterback, I have to admit, I didn't like what I saw from him on social media here this weekend. I thought it was perhaps a bit unfair. Murray putting out on Twitter, I don't know if I've ever seen this many five stars leave a program before. What in the world is happening in Athens, Aaron Murray says. These top recruits, are they not liking all the competition? Listen, I like Aaron Murray, but I don't like this tweet. And I'm not going to allow my, I guess, you know, like for Murray to prevent me from calling out something that I don't think is a helpful message at all. And in Murray's case, I don't think this is a helpful message whatsoever. Why are you peddling panic like this here right now? Why are you trying to start things up when it comes to stuff like this? You know, the idea, I've never seen so many five stars leave a program. Well, part of the reason that's perhaps true, although I think the actual number of five stars to leave Georgia is actually pretty small. But the point is, uh, part of the reason why it seems like a good number of elite recruits are leaving Georgia is because no one collects elite recruits at the rate that Georgia does. No one brings in more elite recruits than Georgia does. So when Georgia has its 15 or so transfer portal departures, the way that everybody has, of course, most of them are going to be elite recruits because that is all Georgia signs. Now, do they want to compete and play? What I, I, you know, who knows? Who knows? 
But what's, what Georgia's dealing with right now isn't really all that unique compared to any other program, especially the very best programs in college football. There is going to be some bad news to be endured when you don't make the college football playoff, and that is what's going on for UGA. But the belief here is, and this is the point of all of this here today, whether it be you know, whatever Carson Beck ultimately decides to do, whatever Dylan Raiola ultimately decides to do, and whoever else may choose to leave Georgia at some point in time uh, before this transfer portal ends or before the spring transfer portal ends you know, later on in the uh, year of 2024, Georgia's a program that has just shown an ability to kind of figure some stuff out. And I don't believe that Kirby Smart's currently got all of this figured out when it relates to portal and NIL because I don't think that anybody necessarily does. But I also don't believe that any coach is more capable of figuring this out than what Kirby Smart is. So there's a few more days of a news cycle that's just not very fun. Opt-outs and recruiting this or, you know, uh, you know, whatever else. It's just one of those things to be absorbed and endured. But on the other side of this, what remains just as true now as ever is that Georgia is going to have the building blocks to put in place to be a major contender in 2024 and perhaps beyond. Kirby Smart's navigated some very tough waters as a successful college football coach. He wouldn't be where he was if he hadn't. And right now, this is another thing to figure out, another landscape that's got to be navigated. And I wouldn't trust anybody to do that more so than I would trust Kirby Smart. And I'm pretty sure all of you agree with me as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Live on video, we start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. across all platforms after that, radio app and sports radio 960 ref podcast. You know how to find us there. All the podcast platforms is our longest running, oldest platform, and on most days, still pretty sizably the biggest so to those of you who listen on demand we so 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 much appreciate that it's truly the only thing i want for christmas is your continued support and i am so thankful to have you providing it uh also big thanks to our friends at pella window and door of georgia who make all this possible there as well energy efficient windows and doors that's what pella window and door of georgia is all about and you kind of know the feeling this time of year do you and your family like to drive uh and go look at christmas lights and things like that we kind of like like to do that kind of stuff we're sort of the griswolds in our house we're big into christmas and those kinds of things and i love when you drive through the neighborhoods and you see like the quaint cozy houses uh kind of look through the windows you see the christmas lights going you see the christmas tree and when you look and you see this stuff you know well decorated on the outside kind of cozy and warm on the inside i think the feeling we all get is this is home the way that it's supposed to be and one of the things that kind of creates that same feeling for you at your home are Pella windows and doors, products that are designed to kind of keep your home feeling nice on the inside, warm and toasty when it's cold outside, but also, you know, kind of looking good on the outside there as well. Better curb appeal makes you a good neighbor, can perhaps also benefit your resale value there as well. It's the best way to take care of what is probably the most important financial asset you have, and certainly the sort of the deepest source of emotional connection, the home that you live in there with your family. Take good care of that by installing Pella windows and doors. And You've heard me say this for a long time. And so my guess is the next step for you is to have a free consultation with one of those Pella experts because they can tell you a lot more about this than I can. I can say, well, it looks good and it feels good to touch, 
but their experts can sort of tell you more about the product line and why it really is viewed to be the best. They can also talk to you about financing options if necessary, installation options there too. You can do this with them at their experience center in there in Duluth. They'll come in home and do it with you there. Uh, very easy, of course. No pressure always. They'll do a virtual consultation if you'd prefer to do that there too. A lot of ways for you to get in touch with Pella Window and Door of George. Also, between now and the end of the month, December 31st, you can get 10% off your entire project. No payments, no interest for 12 months, plus an additional $500 off your project. Let me say that again because I want to make sure people understand that. You've got a choice here. You can either get 10% off your entire project or you can choose the other option, which is no payments, no interest for 12 months, plus an additional $500 off of your project. So make sure you give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Or visit them online, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. Pella, window and door of Georgia, is viewed to be the best. All right, we're going to talk to John Stinchcomb here in a moment. We're going to get into a lot of this with John. You know, the uncertain status of Carson Bat, you know, kind of what's next for Georgia as it tries to navigate all this transfer portal stuff and what's going on with Riola and a lot of that. It's just a, you know, kind of a wild time here with some of that. John's pretty level-headed, though. He's a good guy to talk about all of that kind of stuff with. But prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And look, we said one of the themes for today's show is the uncertainty and certainty aspect of what's going on in the college football program. And I just kind of rattled off a lot of uncertainty to begin today. You don't know yet what Carson Beck's going to do. You may think we do, and I think most of us kind of lean, lean in one direction, but until it's official, you don't know for sure. Uh, you don't know what Dylan Ryle is going to do. You assume it's probably not great news. Otherwise, why would we have heard so much lately? But that kind of sticks out there as sort of an uncertain topic. Obviously, obviously, a lot of stuff around the transfer portal kind of much the same way. There's a lot of uncertainty around Georgia football. So leaning into certainty when you can is a very important thing to do. And around the doghouse today, that's what we're going to talk about because Georgia stepped up, I think made a pretty aggressive, and the best I can tell, a very strong hire for its defensive backs coach, Dante Williams, making this official, uh, kind of putting this out on Twitter. Georgia's also announced this there too, that Dante Williams, most recently of USC, is their defensive backs coach is now defensive backs coach at UGA. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts here on this. We'll let John Stinchcomb tell you some more here in just a moment. I realized that USC was terrible on defense this year, but I don't blame the defensive backs coach for that at all, right? I mean, it's like you, it's like he's not going to have the influence over that program that an Alex Wrench would have had or a, or a, you know, a, a Lincoln Riley as head coach certainly would have had uh, that if, 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 you know, if, if anything, uh, the chance to escape from that culture and come be at a place like Georgia where there's a much better sort of defensive culture overall, of course that's a, a very good thing here. I don't hang any of the failures from USC defensively, and there were certainly plenty of those. I don't put any of that on Dante Williams because Lincoln Riley's been a head coach now for quite some time in a couple of different places. His defenses have never been very good. It's him who bears responsibility for the lack of defense in the culture with the programs that he leads. I don't put that on the defensive backs coach. If anything, I'm happy for Williams get a chance to escape that and come show what he's all about and you know beyond that the one thing that Williams this is obviously no surprise comes recommended as is a wonderful recruiter Georgia's not going to hire a, a position coach like this an assistant coach like this that is not a great recruiter and sort of the same way 
that we thought certain things about Fran Brown. I think you think some of the same stuff about Dante Williams. One of the things we sold about Brown when he first came down here was not super well known to me, but from New Jersey. He was coaching at Rutgers before he got here. This was a guy that was going to be able to unlock a geographic territory. And you say, ooh, you know, chance to recruit in the Northeast doesn't sound so great. But if you look at a state like New Jersey, uh, the, the state that Brown was from, there's actually a decent number of pretty good players that come out of New Jersey each and every year. In fact, that's one of the places where Michigan had really tried, kind of tried to plant a flag in recruiting. And part of the recruiting success that Michigan had was because they kind of mined that fertile soil of New Jersey for pretty good players. And so we thought the presence of Brown was a good way to kind of unlock a geographic territory like New Jersey for recruiting. And I would say for the most part, that kind of worked out that way. It was kind of a pipeline to the Northeast, kind of, a, uh, I guess, a foray into the Northeast while he was here. Well, the same thing is true for Dante Williams, but it's a much more, you know, I guess, abundant area for elite recruits. I'm talking about, you know, Southern California and kind of out west. You know, this is one of those things where guys out west oftentimes like to come down here in the south because just better football, more pageantry, more passion. They like that. And to have someone who knows that geographic area the way that Dante Williams does, I think provides a really good opportunity here for UGA. This is a good recruiter. This is a guy who had a big-time job, USC, one of the biggest programs that are out there. And George was easily able to convince Williams to leave USC, come here to Georgia. So this is one of those things, even if Dante Williams wasn't super famous to you prior to this, and he wasn't super famous to me either, we're all in the same boat there on that. But I do think you should circle this in terms of, if everybody's got the same question right now, which is how well is my program maneuvering through all the crazy stuff that's going on in college football? Pretty much every fan's got that question about their favorite team. How well are we making sense of what seems to be like sort of wild and chaotic? Well, finding a way to kind of lean into certainty when you can as a way of enduring the uncertainty seems like sort of a wise course of action here. And while there's a lot around college football that's new and different than it's ever been before, one of the things that remains the same is you need young, upwardly mobile, energetic position coaches to handle all of this. You need guys that know how to go out there and just have an abundant level of energy. When you've got guys like that in your program, good things you know, typically seem to happen. And Kirby Smart has kind of always been pretty good at making these coaching hires. I would say it's on 100%. You know, he hasn't batted a 1,000. Nobody does. But in terms of identifying rising stars, in terms of identifying hungry guys ready to kind of pour their soul into a job in the hopes that gives them a chance to be upwardly mobile during their career, Kirby Smart's had a pretty good eye for identifying those guys. We would assume that Dante Williams is the next example of that. And we would say that in a time in which there's a lot of weird stuff going on that no one can predict and no one really knows where it's all heading next, finding some stuff that does feel familiar is probably a good place to sort of occasionally you know, migrate your attention towards. And Georgia making a coaching hire like this feels like a very Kirby smart thing to do. And that ought to provide a lot of comfort in what is otherwise a pretty tumultuous time. And that is also around the doghouse here on the program today. Now, before we are done, Georgia got, I won't say got, but is kind of celebrating some very good news uh, for one of its players on the 2023 roster. We'll tell you more about that before our show is done today. Pretty rare achievement overall, which is worth celebrating. So we'll take a moment to do that. One of Georgia's 2024 opponents is also very aggressive right now in terms of bringing in transfer portal players confirmed and rumored. We'll kind of give you some of that. 
So we'll cover all of those bases and all of that ground before we're done on the show today. But for now, on the looming decision for Carson Beck, the uncertain status around that, uh, you know, the the navigating of the transfer portal, the brand new defensive backs coach and all of that. Let's cover a lot of ground on a lot of things after another busy weekend for UGA as we do a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I want to bring in John Stinchcomb, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John. And, John, we got a lot to talk about, another kind of busy weekend here for UGA. But let me begin with the defensive backs coach hire. Now, you're going to impress me if you can run through the entire resume for Dante Williams and why you think that his technique it makes him perfect for Georgia. I don't necessarily expect you to do that. I think my only kind of big takeaway on this is it just sort of feels like the coaching hire that Kirby Smart typically makes, sort of a young, up-and-coming name in the coaching ranks, probably upwardly mobile, certainly ambitious, a guy willing to kind of be very energetic here, both you know on field during practice and on the recruiting trail on a you know 365 you know day a year type basis here it just sort of looks like the kind of hire that Kirby Smart typically makes and finding that level of certainty at a, at a time in which the rest of college football feels very uncertain and very chaotic I think if you're a UGA fan you should take some comfort in that what did you make of the I guess it was reported now I guess it's official that uh, Dante Williams is the new defensive backs coach from Georgia making the move from USC yeah, I find that very exciting. Obviously, he's a high-level recruiter and has done so at a at a program that, you know, this past year or two has not found a lot of success uh, defensively. But I, I don't think that's to his blame. I think it's to his credit as to the level of players that he's still been able to recruit into a situation that was pretty difficult. I'm not, you know, if I'm a defensive star, I'm looking there at at, at a school under or led by Lincoln Riley, going, I don't know if. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be able to show my wares as much as I could in another, in another place. So, obviously, high-level recruiter. Uh, if you're willing to walk into a situation where Kirby Smart and his background as a secondary coach and having played the position along with Coach Muschamp, who's you know had a lot of experience in a number of levels and probably uh, known most as uh, in his ability with the secondary, if you're willing to walk into that situation and, and do so as a young coach with confidence, I think that speaks pretty well uh, for Dante and, and what he brings to the table. Yeah, I think it also kind of shows you that you know the idea of national recruiting, which is something that Georgia's been very good at the last few years, even with all the talent here in the Peach State, national recruiting is not going out of style anytime soon for UGA. This is a guy that gives you a lot of access to very fertile soil out there in the West, you know, Southern California that western part of the country which does produce good players uh you know just the sheer population of california would suggest they're going to be able to produce a lot of very talented players and historically they have you know elite programs out there st john bosco and modern day and things like that you know georgia has recruited these schools and a guy like dante williams i think would give you a chance to do even more of that in the future so i think it also demonstrates that georgia wants to remain a major player on the national recruiting landscape, and that's what Williams seems to be able to provide as well. And we've had a lot of success bringing in players from the West Coast. Uh, I think one by the last name of Bowers would yeah. ring some bells with uh, Georgia fans. So to continue to, to build and cultivate connections uh, with the West Coast and 
you know, specifically California and the, the fertile ground that that has been for some high-level talented uh, players, I think is, is a good thing. And Georgia is a national player. You look at the recruiting classes specifically under Coach Smart, and historically and consistently there is a number of players that uh, choose the University of Georgia that extend well outside of the southeast. No, I think that's uh, right. Moving on here, Carson Beck. Um, we talked about this off the top of the program a moment ago, speaking to some reporters here this weekend, does confirm that he is playing in the Orange Bowl, but at the same time doesn't really make any kind of apology for the fact that he is still deliberating on whether or not he's going to return to Georgia for next season or move on to the NFL draft where we'd have at least some chance of being the kind of high draft pick that financially it would make sense for him to go on to the league if he would be drafted as high as – Perhaps the, the top-end projection suggests that he might be, but there's also a chance that, that that's a little too ambitious for where Beck currently is, just given his limited amount of experience as a starting quarterback there at UGA. What do you make of the uncertainty surrounding Carson Beck's future here right now? Well, I can certainly understand where he's coming from. I think uh, he's focused on the duty that lies nearest, and that is right now I need to focus on the Orange Bowl. And uh, I'm aware of, of what's happening outside, and I'm sure fans would love some, some level of commitment. But for Carson, that's, that's not the top priority. The top priority is uh, the Orange Bowl and, and playing well and leading this team um, in the opportunity that we have. And then afterwards, and uh, hear me say, B.A., I mean, it's not like he's totally put it on the back burner. I'm sure there's still active participation in the process of evaluating what's best next steps but uh, making a public announcement one way or the other doesn't behoove him um, in, in situating himself to to make a wise choice I'm sure he's still taking in information and you know let, let's be honest NIL package and where he could possibly be in the draft are two major factors in this decision along with what opportunities uh, lie for him outside of, of just the football field. So I think it's pretty smart for him to make the, the declaration of, yes, I'm committed to the Orange Bowl, but past that, um, I'm still you know, kind of weighing my options and trying to make a, a wise decision that does not need to be made today. Let me ask this to you, and I tried to talk to Jake Fromm a little bit about this last week. Jake's obviously been through this. you a different position but you've also been drafted in the NFL I think the thing that those of us who were not NFL draft picks have a hard time understanding is how much certainty can Carson legitimately get about where he'll be drafted in other words you know if I'm given a range of possibilities of oh I could be a high second round pick which is a lot of money and potentially a you know a pretty significant future but I could also like fall to the fourth round, let's say. Well, there's a huge degree of difference between that, right? That's the difference between you know kind of life changing money versus something that's just you know kind of rich, uh, at least compared to you know typical <laughs> you know typical NFL players. And in terms of how you're treated, I mean, we see mid round draft picks sometimes sort of cast aside because there's just not a lot of like financial commitment on the part of the franchise you know to to that player. So if I'm Carson Beck, I mean, I would certainly want to know okay, what do the NFL scouts really think about me? But how certain can I be? Is this really a promise of, well, so-and-so says that if you're there, they are definitely drafting you no worse than like 40th overall. 
Um, like, like, is it that certain, or is there still a certain bet on yourself you have to make if you're Carson Beck, given the best available information you can receive? Oh yeah, it's, it, there's still a level of uncertainty for every player. I mean, let's take you know the high end guy like a Trevon Walker who's going, uh, you know, you could be. A top five pick or some mid-level, mid-range first-round pick, and he goes first in the draft. That's a significant amount of money that he, you know, took a bet on himself, saying, "I think I can go pretty high here." And there's others that have have weighed the equation and taken in the information, and you know, probably would have benefited for another year. And there's a, a list of Georgia players that would fall into that category, but. Uh, there is no certainty. The, there is good information, I think, helpful information that's provided. I think there's a number of services, um, and even 20 years ago when I was coming out, that they, they could project roughly where where you would be if you were to uh, decide to leave early. And I did that uh, with one year of eligibility left, kind of got that information, and, and that was a – data point that I used in, in trying to make those decisions as to whether it was uh, best to come back and or, or head on to the NFL. And I think guys are doing the same thing. Now, th- there's added uh, points of information to their equation that are, is much different, and this is the fact that there are some guys that will probably take pay cuts when they go to the NFL. And it would probably make more financial sense just stick around and, and receive some of this third-party NIL benefit and that you can receive in college now. So um, there is, uh, and I think we've seen this across the board, there's guys that are looking at it going, eh, I could either be a uh, back-end draft pick or possibly even a free agent, or I can come back for another year and uh, make some pretty good money. And, you know, e- even with the... NFL rookie minimum being $750,000, uh, there's guys that still look at that equation and say, you know what, I think it makes sense for me to come back for another year. Do you think that it's weird or in any way problematic that Beck hasn't said anything yet? No, I don't find it weird at all. Uh, I think there's probably been some uh, uh, better conversations that have had with his with his coaches and uh, specifically coach smart. And they probably have a, a better understanding as we would from the outside, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it's odd from the outside looking in that he hasn't made some public announcement that, you know, this is, this is where my head's at. It's uh, John Stinch coming here to Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John. I want to talk about some of the other stuff that's going on around UG in a moment. Let me remind you before I, prior to that, always happy to have John as our Marlowe's Tavern Insider here each and every week. And we want to invite you to also take advantage of all the great things going on at Marlowe's Tavern right now, too, including great gifts for this holiday season. You know, there are sometimes it seems like the guys in your life, you know, uh, are the hardest to buy for. You know, you have a son, you have 
you know, brother or something like that. Sometimes it's just sort of hard to know what to buy guys for, for Christmas. And this is where Marlowe's Tavern, I think, can provide you a great opportunity here because who doesn't like chef-inspired food? Who doesn't like the kind of craft cocktails that Marlowe's is famous for there as well? And who doesn't want to get exceptional value, especially during this holiday time of year? Well, that's what Marlowe's Tavern can provide for you. When you give the gift of Marlowe's Tavern this Christmas and holiday season, you're going to get a great thank you for making that decision. When you buy a $100 Marlowe's Tavern gift card, you're going to get a bonus $25 gift card just for free, just on top of all of that. So it's a great way to take advantage of the best of Marlowe's Tavern and get a bonus on the gift cards that you buy, which is always going to be well-received by whoever you give them to. Also, if you want a chance to kind of enjoy something yourself, you can give the gift of the $100 gift card. You can perhaps keep the $25 gift card for yourself. Uh, all of that is a great option for you here this holiday season. We've been telling you about this for years. Uh, it's a, a lot of fun, and it's a great gift for you to give somebody this Christmas and holiday season. So make sure you go to marlowstavern.com to find out more about that. That is marlowstavern.com. Get the big bonus gift card here this holiday season when you buy that $100 gift card there from Marlowe's Tavern. All right, John, so the other thing that's kind of out there right now, that kind of continuation of the sort of names trickling out of Georgia into the transfer portal, the latest example of this was A.J. Harris over the weekend, the former elite defensive back recruit. And we predicted this. I, I talked about this two Mondays ago after the SEC championship. And I think we, we, we even talked about like sort of the idea of the bad PR of, you know, a little bit of stuff kind of trickling out slowly. Over, so the slow drip of bad news is never a good thing. It always makes things seem worse than they are. We said that's what it was going to be for Georgia. And that's exactly kind of what it has been. Like, what do you think right now about the fact that Georgia continues to, every couple of days, sort of lose a name of, of, you know, from its roster ranks of players that we, I think, all think under the right circumstances could be very good. It's kind of creating a little bit of a negative response from some. What do you make of how all of this is playing out here right now and the fact that we think there's you know, good transfer news coming from Georgia at some point in time. Those announcements haven't been made as of yet. But right now, it's sort of bad news outpacing good news by a fairly sizable margin. Well, you know, how, how do you process all of that? Yeah, and, and it has taken some processing from my end as well. And I think you have to come to the reality of we actually need a few more players to transfer out. <laughs> and it's hard because you know, we all get excited this time of year with, with signing day coming up of, the, the proposition of what these players could mean on the football field wearing a big G on the side of their helmet. And for some guys, um, it, it pans out exactly how we project it to, and for others it does not. And um, if you look at the transfer list, there's a number of guys that, you know, it, you understand or there's some sting to, and there's others you go, man, I, you know, I think there's still some promise left in this player uh, I'd like to see them stick around to see what their development looks like. And unfortunately, you have to kind of take the good with the bad. But the reality is that, you know, if I, I saw, I read, you know, Connor's article earlier on where uh, just with the current list of players and the signees, the, the projected total is 97. So yeah. uh, that's his projection. But it does bring up a good point that the way college football works these days, if we want to sign some of these transfers that are available, um, we actually need to get some of these scholarships that are, are sitting with players that may not contribute in ways that they originally projected to. 
I don't think that's right. Let, let, me, let me finish with this on this same topic here for a moment. I think one of the things we have to process as it relates to some of this kind of stuff, I mean, we, those of us who are fans here, you know, for years, kind of the lifeblood of our conversation has been getting excited about elite recruits. I don't mean to be overly cynical, but if a guy like A.J. Harris, who everybody was excited about when he first you know, signed with Georgia, when he first committed to Georgia, but almost nobody thought was like an immediate impact day one player because Georgia doesn't have that from you know freshman defense backs very frequently. Does this change the level of excitement we ought to have about recruits if you know a guy comes in, but if he is a, a developmental player in any way, you know, former fashion, which most elite recruits are going to be at a place like Georgia, should we be just less excited about elite recruits moving forward? Because, you know, if they don't play their first year, they may get restless and leave. Like, for those of us who are fans, John, how much does this change the way we kind of cover and think about recruiting, do you think? I think we're, I think we're constantly trying to adapt to the new age, uh, new parameters that exist in college football. And I still think there should be excitement with a developmental player that you say, man, he's got some serious high upside. But I think now part of the equation is, will we be able to hold on to him? Would it make sense for him to be a part of this program, knowing that he may not see significant action for three years? There are fewer and fewer players that are willing to uh, stay the course. And there's fewer and fewer programs that are willing to invest in that form and fashion. You look across the board, and I think Georgia's kind of become a little bit of an anomaly for the way other teams are looking to build. They're saying we can supplement uh, with some pretty well-established players that have played at the college level for two or three years. I think Georgia has been on the conservative side of how we've utilized the transfer portal, picking two or three guys here and there. Two years ago, we didn't have any transfer in. So, it's been much more of a homegrown, we want some of our own to develop, and, and we're excited about the propositions down the road, or we're recruiting at a level that, you know, we've got these four- and five-star guys that come in fairly game-ready with very little uh, development needed, or at least, you know, after a year, the expectation is you're, you're the guy. So um, it, it's, I think we're all adapting not only just the coaches and the players to the way uh, things have changed and there's less opportunity for the quote-unquote developmental player to kind of hone his skills over a three- or four-year process sometimes. Uh, And and now, as fans, we're seeing the same thing, that maybe we're going to have to acquire talent that's been cultivated in other fields, so to speak. And just a real quick follow-up to what you're saying there in terms of like fans having to recalibrate. It's not just signees like A.J. Harris. It's also the, the news of a possible flip for Dylan Riola here taking the official visit to Nebraska over the weekend. You got any response to that, the idea that Riola is a guy that Georgia fans have been kind of counting on for quite some time, and now it seems you know, pretty likely, not a guarantee, I don't guess, but pretty likely that uh, Riola is going to end up elsewhere too. That's a lot to get used to for fans there as well. The guy like this would change his mind this late in the process. Oh, yeah, and and I'm a fan as well, right? And we are greedy. We are a greedy <laughs> group of folks that we want all the great players and we want all of them right now, and even if they don't stick and sit, and, you know, that's that's the nature of the beast. And I understand the frustrations when you have a guy that's uh, been committed to Georgia that might be looking elsewhere, but 
if if that's what he think is thinks is best, he'd rather go to play at a Nebraska and, and behind those offensive lines and the NIL money that's available to him, you know, is able to balance that equation. <laughs> but I wish you well, man, because it, you know I've seen their product and it is not near the level yeah. of play that you know the offensive line performance at Georgia has been. So. You know, if Carson Beck comes back, if Gunnar Stockton continues to develop, uh, I don't, I'm sure fans are aware of this, but Rayola was not our only high, uh, highly rated quarterback in this recruiting cycle. So there's other talented players. Obviously, when you, you throw into the equation, Vandegrift leaving for Kentucky, and uh, we're a greedy bunch. We want all the great players to be on our roster and – not play for anybody else, but that's just not the reality, especially when, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Riola has played at four different high schools in his four years <laughs> of eligibility. And to think that, and he's committed to two different schools in the process. So to think that, uh, you know, it would be outlandish for him to consider his options on an annual basis, uh, I think is probably more conjecture than based on experience of what we've seen. Uh, his decision-making process to be. John, really good stuff. I always appreciate your insight on matters like this. You've obviously got such uh, you know, great experience, and so it's wonderful to have you here as part of our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Hope you and your family are continuing to enjoy this Christmas season, and we will look forward to having you back on the show again very, very soon. I always appreciate it, B.A. Merry Christmas, Dog Nation. You too, John. Thanks a lot. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, Christmas is coming, so we got some uh, stuff to do to get you ready for all of that, and uh, we will talk about that in the days to come here there as well. You know, let me just say this real quick before we kind of transition to our uh, cruise around the SEC as it relates to um, some of the, the recruiting stuff. We're obviously getting ready for Wednesday. It seems like it's going to be a relatively quiet, at least based on things right now, relatively quiet Wednesday for UGA in terms of the kickoff of the early signing period. Talked on Friday's show about some of the fireworks in terms of the elite prospects late in the cycle here. While it does seem, I think, fairly likely, maybe not a given, but fairly likely that, that Riola will flip from Georgia to Nebraska. Some of the other big names kind of late in the process here. I think there's growing optimism you know, on the part of the schools currently holding on to those commitments that the big-time prospects might stay where they are. It seems like coming off the weekend, Jeremiah Smith staying at Ohio State. Seems like that may have picked up some steam. Uh, DJ Lagway staying at Florida. Maybe that's picked up some steam here. Maybe even like K.J. Bolden, which at this point would not be Georgia, would be more likely to be in Auburn. Maybe there's some growing optimism that Florida State's going to hold on to K.J. Bolden there too. And I would say that in terms of Georgia holding on to the number one spot, now I'm not great at math, uh, but in terms of Georgia holding on the number one spot, you know, Florida State may be one to watch in terms of, you know, because like Georgia just losing Ryola alone, subtracting those points from the overall ranking is not enough to move Georgia down. But if somebody does have like one of these aggressive, really late hauls, that might give them enough points to kind of supersede UGA. So it could be Florida State could be worth watching there on that because if Jeremiah Smith does go elsewhere, that's a spot that's been kind of, you know, kicked around. You know, the idea that LJ McCray might go there, you know, late the process, that's been kind of, you know, kicked around. Florida State may be worth watching, but but for now, holding on to Bolden, I think there's some growing optimism in Tallahassee. They might be able to do that, but obviously a lot of this is still very much up for grabs here. So we shall see big prospects kind of, you know, going through their deliberations 
as of late. I guess there was some Edric Houston, I guess, you know, kind of moving around here a little bit too. So could be interesting to see how a lot of that plays out. We'll obviously follow that, not just for Georgia, but across college football as we head towards Wednesday and the start of the early signing period. For now, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And obviously we are very excited about all the things that Royal Caribbean's got going on in 2024. You've heard me talk about, talk about Icon of the Seas a lot, but I also want to talk to you for a moment about another brand new ship that Royal Caribbean's got on the way for this upcoming year, too. Have you heard me mention Utopia of the Seas before? I think this is a really fun one, one that you ought to be aware of, because it's a brand new kind of idea from Royal Caribbean. Typically speaking, the larger cruise ships, and for a long time, kind of pre-Icon, the largest class of ships for Royal Caribbean was the Oasis class of ships. And typically speaking, the Oasis class of ships, the largest and oftentimes newest cruise ships, they've been reserved for the seven night sailings. But in this brand new year of 2024 upcoming, Royal Caribbean is going to debuting Oasis class ships on a three and four night itinerary. It's a chance to enjoy the best of the biggest Royal Caribbean ships on a shorter cruise for those that kind of fits their budget or perhaps fits their time constraints. Uh, it's a really exciting new option. And in July of this upcoming year, Utopia of the Seas, the newest Oasis-class ship, will be doing the three- and four-night sailing. So it's a great time to talk to Jessica Slater, a terrific travel agent. She can help you out with all of this. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, Slater at dreamvacations.com, and she'll tell you all about the great new things that Royal Caribbean has on the way including a really exciting debut of a couple of brand new ships, including Utopia of the Seas, coming up there in July. So this is of interest to Georgia fans as we go cruise around the SEC here for a moment. Ole Miss is very aggressive right now in the transfer portal. They have officially brought in Juice Wells, the former South Carolina wide receiver. That's a big deal for the Rebels. They're also working very hard to hold on to some of their current players. We know that one of their top receivers is coming back. There's also some chatter about Jackson Dart, things like that. They bring in Princely Uleman from Florida, and they're also rumored to perhaps be a major factor. In fact, I think they're getting some online predictions as it relates to Walter Nolan as well, the former five-star leaving Texas A&M, who's moved about a you know, few places, that uh, Walter Nolan is thought to be a potential you know, acquisition by Ole Miss here there as well. That one of the things that Lane Kiffin is like selling himself as is what he's called like the the you know the portal king or you know, transfer to the sip they do all the you know kind of branding around that program and then this particular offseason it seems like there's some real chatter around that there's some real juice around that and georgia travels to Ole miss here you know late 2024 that's a pretty big deal for the for for georgia to see one of these you know already fairly tough sec road games by appearances getting much tougher here and you know I mean, Ole Miss was 10-2 and two this year, losing the two games that mattered most, but, you know, winning, you know, the rest of their games here thus far. And the kind of portal acquisition we're talking about Ole Miss making right now are the kinds of acquisitions that I do think can make a Ole Miss a pretty big factor here. And, and frankly, one of the contenders for the college football playoff in the SEC based on the kind of talent they're currently bringing in. This has been a pretty big offseason thus far for Ole Miss, and it does not show very much in the way of signs of slowing down. Now, former Ole Miss coach Hugh Freeze is also in the news, and he's not quite as happy without his team has navigated the transfer portal here thus far, perhaps not as successful in bringing in elite players as Ole Miss has kind of been. Uh, Freeze was uh, speaking uh, out recently during an immediate availability and saying, I don't think I've handled it very well, meaning this portal window. It's just, just being truthful. 
We want to build this program through high school for the most part. Having said that, I don't know if you can ever isolate yourself into saying that's what's going to happen because you don't know how many you're going to lose uh, at this time, if that makes sense. And what Freeze is talking about there, there is the kind of uh, simultaneous issue of you've got players you want to bring in, but also you've got players you're hopeful not to lose. And sometimes your ability to go out and chase the players you want to bring in is lessened by the requirement and the necessity of holding on to players that you don't want to lose. Like anybody who's ever done sales, you know, you hear this in marketing sometimes, that it's 10 times more expensive to go out and get a new customer as is to keep an existing customer. Have you ever, have you ever heard that before? Uh, most salespeople, most business owners would probably say that's true. And I would say that when it comes to college football, that's also kind of true as well. And I don't just mean from like an NIL standpoint. I mean the, the level of resource required to go out and obtain a new player from scratch requires a lot more manpower than just keeping the guys you have and I think what Hugh Freeze is saying here is you get frustrated by the amount of time you have to spend working to keep the guys on your own roster that you don't want to lose he goes on to say you can plan hey we're going to replace these 20 seniors with with 20 high schoolers but then all of a sudden you've got 30 spots and you haven't recruited enough high schoolers for those spots and obviously you have to go to the portal then he says I think our calendar is extremely messed up no one would disagree with that of course he goes on to say i don't think it's good for high school uh, recruiting portal recruiting manage your own team getting ready for bowl prep i think our calendar needs a serious serious look at what's best for our game it's hard for any of us to truly manage all of it uh, he says truthfully so this statement from freeze sort of circles back to what i said off the top of the show that right now everyone is dealing with the uncertainty of how do you manage this portal situation the best that can possibly be managed and what i told you before is i trust kirby smart to figure it out but that's not the same thing as saying i know for a fact that kirby's got all this figured out and all of this behind the scenes is sort of playing out exactly as his master plan suggests that it would no one has it figured out everybody's going on you know going along with the ride and you're just hoping to sort of manage this the best that you possibly can i think it's interesting to hear hugh freeze in a moment of honesty saying i'm not quite so sure we have figured this out very well right now it seems like we've done some things we wish we'd have perhaps done a little bit differently the other point about this and this is one of those things that i do think uh you know is kind of uh you know you know worth monitoring here a little bit the one thing thus far that hasn't happened now maybe the old miss example that i cited earlier is an example of this happening but the one thing thus far that kind of hasn't happened is the idea that a team is going to completely transform itself via the transfer portal that's something that auburn tried to do prior to this season and it didn't work uh, lsu brought in like 13 transfer players the overwhelming majority of them on defense their defense this year was terrible you know florida has sought to supplement a pretty weak roster with a lot of guys to the transfer portal no team has gone from bad to good from irrelevant to contender on the basis of the transfer portal it just has not happened and so some of the frustration i think that hugh freeze is expressing here is you know it's believed that auburn's got a pretty large war chest you know pretty you know you know pretty expansive nil opportunity here but there's just not enough good players to bring in to completely transform your roster totally it's one of the reasons why i think people kind of scoff at what Deion sanders is trying to do at colorado it's just really hard to remake yourself through the transfer portal and have great success doing that almost no one's really done that and you know if if you're trying to build a program on on the basis of that alone you're probably not going to have much success because there's just really no track record to confirm that's even really a possibility so 
I would take what Hugh Freeze is saying there pretty serious. I think he's being honest. I think he's being candid. And I think he's telling you this current calendar is very hard for any coach to figure it out. And Freeze is pretty open in saying, I'm not really quite so sure we're figuring this out too well. I'll also give you this. This is not a you know, this is not official, but it's one of those reports that's out there that former Vanderbilt quarterback A.J. Swan could be considering South Carolina. This is interesting because Swan obviously lost his job uh, there at Vanderbilt. He was injured for a minute, but you know, eventually that became kind of a coach's decision to play the other guy instead of Swan. Of course, a lot of folks know A.J. as a former Atlanta area high school player, but you know, South Carolina a year ago was ravaged via the transfer portal. I think they were hoping that uh, they'd do a little bit better in that portal here this time. They did bring in Rocket Sanders, the former Arkansas running back. So that's, I guess, a pretty good ad for them. Is Swan the appropriate replacement for Spencer Rattler? I don't quite know about that. Uh, South Carolina is actually doing pretty well in high school recruiting here right now. Supplementing that, as we were talking about a moment ago, supplementing that some with success in the transfer portal could be a, ba- a good way for Shane Beamer to kind of get back to bowl eligibility in 2024 something the Gamecocks were not here in 2023 so let's watch what they're able to add Uh, AJ Swan perhaps and for Georgia fans a little bit to process here too of whatever they do or do not add it's actually not that relevant for Georgia right now because the Gamecocks for the first time in a long time are not on the Georgia schedule for the upcoming season interesting stuff on that front and we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean now as we get ready to near the end of our show let me give you a shout out to our friends at Dr. Pepper because nearing the end of the show always kind of brings about a certain like Pavlovian response from me my mouth starts to water because I know I'm only a couple minutes away from being able to enjoy the rich one-of-a-kind flavor of Dr. Pepper it's my my sort of personal treat for myself once the show comes to an end I'm gonna invite you to do the same thing whether it be watching college football you're watching bowl action there's a bowl game today by the way maybe a couple you're doing all of that or you're just enjoying your christmas time holiday time with family and friends dr pepper goes great with all of that so as you're shopping at your local kroger or wherever it is that you're doing your shopping here this time of year pick up the rich one-of-a-kind flavor of dr pepper whether it be the, the cherry flavor the strawberries and cream dr pepper zero sugar uh the original dr pepper whatever uh you want great thing to go with this time of year it truly is the one fans deserve All right, so I want to share some good news here for a moment and an honor certainly worth celebrating before we kind of wrap things up here today. Kind of nice to see this sort of laid out here this way. Uh, Obviously, we've seen a lot of the All-American teams kind of coming out and Brock Bowers, once again, kind of a consensus All-American. And in three years at Georgia, he's been an All-American in each of those three years. And that that, that puts him in a pretty rare class when it comes to Georgia football overall. I wanted to celebrate this for a moment that as Georgia football points out, Brock Bowers now joins David Pollack and Herschel Walker, how about that for rare company, as the only three-time All-Americans in Georgia football history. Now, isn't that cool? Three of the greatest players in program history, the only three three three-time All-Americans at Georgia, in the case of Herschel and Bowers, All-Americans in all of their college seasons, each of those guys playing just three years, All-Americans in all three years, obviously Pollock, one of the all-time great defensive players in college football history and certainly one of the great dogs of all time uh what an what, what a cool and an amazing accomplishment that is and how fitting is that for what we believe is the end of brock bowers career that he joins herschel walker and david pollock in that rare company so a good job by georgia for making us all aware of that and certainly a rare feat worth celebrating when it comes to brock bowers kind of a cool way to finish off today's show And as we wrap up, also some fun to make fun of those lousy, stinking Gators. 
So I saw this story. It's just too funny not to share. Florida football kind of continues to be the gift that gives on giving during this holiday season. How about this bad piece of news for the Gators and recruiting Yahoo Sports reporting this? There was a JUCO target in the transfer portal whose only offer was from Florida. Uh, He canceled his Florida official visit, decides to retire from the sport entirely instead. So uh, pretty funny stuff there on that front. Uh, You laugh at all of that. And um, uh, we'll give a golden shoe out for that, for the, uh, for the humor as it relates to that. That is our golden shoe for today. How about those lousy, stinking gators? 1,136 days. That's how long it's been since they have uh, beaten Georgia. And that's the number that we look to see keep climbing up and up and up and up. Uh, fun stuff indeed. Kicking around those lousy, stinking gators never goes out of style. And a great gift for us this holiday season. We'll see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia.